0: Welcome to Wham, Bam, Thank You, Ma'am, Episode 2, Part 2 of Dragon Queens by Kathleen DePlume. Sorry to keep you on the edge last time, but we knew Part 2 was worth the wait. Content warnings for Dragon Queens. This story contains mature themes including implied non-consent slash reluctance, rape and torture, under-negotiated kink, homophobia, implied spousal abuse, death, and depictions of war. The amount of nipple play that occurs in this book, I'm like, ouch.
1: (laughs) Oh. So that actually brings brings the other thing. Um, The the biggest issue I had, and so this should get it out of the way. Okay Roxy, so take a deep breath. This is the biggest issue. Okay. There's a point where Ava gets jealous of Gwen talking yes. to the other women. Oh my god. And they go have a public performance where people can see them and without consent, Ava is very rough with Gwen. Like to the point like she bites her and leaves bruises and Gwen goes and cries and is upset. And then they Ava does come and they do talk about it. Like, they do try to handle that. But Gwyneth is just like, no, it's fine. Like, very quickly. That is such bad kink. Do not do it. I'm doing an X with my hand.
2: I will say at least they recognize that it's bad. And they yes. have a really fucking talk about it. But yeah, I did not like that at all. No. I, no. um...
0: The fact yeah. that they engage in intimate like, sexual relations while one was angry and jealous of the other without discussing it. It was such a, like, that's why non consent and reluctance are a part of the content warnings as well as lord fuckwit. But, like, that scene was so troubling and it was meant to be troubling, but at the same time I feel like it wasn't necessarily broached to its fullest potential. I feel like Gwen needed more time to deco- to really deconstruct how she felt about it. And yet, in the situation she was in, she did not have the opportunity to feel her feelings and how she felt being essentially the outlet for someone's rage.
2: Now, I will say, this is later on in the book, so yes. the timeline, they're fooling around in the taverns, you know, they finally meet up with her parents. The guy she's engaged to, who we lovingly call Lord Fuckwit, is there. She tells. Them, so um, she confesses her love for Gwen, tells him what happened. Dad is just happy she's found, you know, he's not raging, you know, no daughter of mine. He's just happy she's home. And he's like, OK, we'll talk about this. But when they get to the castle, they discover they're going to have to still show their affection and love to gain the people's hearts, to legitimize her breaking off this engagement with this asshole and marrying this commoner. So they do various things that are very smart, like she gets knighted. Gwen has like a sense of legitimacy about her. She takes classes and training and she she starts learning about nobility and the way the court is run. But a part of that is she is told she has to win one of the games in a tournament coming up. Uh, And the only thing she's really good at and you learn that she's good at this, like there's an explanation for everything, which is way above the expectations I usually have for a romance novel. And they explain she's good at archery because the common folk are trained in it. It's kind of like you're you're going to be conscripted into the military uh, in times of need. So all the common folk usually know archery. So she decides for the tourney, she's going to focus on archery and she goes to an Aerosmith who is a woman. And Ava comes across the Aerosmith and Gwen in a compromising position. Think of like ghosts, you know, one's behind the other. Uh, they're working on arrows together. And Ava takes it as Gwen is interested in other women than her. And you you start seeing that Ava is also insecure and jealous and invested in this relationship.
0: I can read um, yeah. a scene from this, if you like. Yes.
2: Uh, And this is what leads to that uh, intimate moment that involves rage, unfortunately.
0: Catherine handed her a pair of gloves and showed her how to work the bellows and what colors the coals should be for heating the bar stock. When it came time to pound flat the section to bend into socket, she snorted with laughter at the way Gwen was holding her hammer. No, not like that, Gwen. You'll wear out your forearms within the hour if you try hammering iron with that grip. Gwen couldn't see how her grip was different from the master smith, and said so. Here, let me show you. Catherine stepped into her space, holding the hammer steady with one hand, while she adjusted Gwen's grip with the other. The changes were subtle, but she could see that it was uh, it would use different muscles to bring the hammer down at the correct angle. And then... My darling, I've been looking for you everywhere! Ava's voice rang loud through the smithy. Did you forget you were coming to court with me this morning? Gwen gaped. She was certain she had told Ava she was planning on finishing her arrows this morning. Other people certainly knew where she was. "'Your Highness,' Catherine curtsied deeply, "'it's an honor to have you vid- visit my forge. "'Ava's gaze continued to touch more aristocratic than H- Hator, "'than Gwen was used to seeing. "'She looked regal, beautiful, as a stained-glass window "'and as cold as the heart of winter. "'Of course, your arrows were excellent.' But I must take my beloved. We are required elsewhere. So at that scene, we start
2: really seeing Ava's feelings, I believe. Because the reader is kind of left at the mercy of this unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. who believes kind of rightly, I guess, that she is being used and not really loved or lusted after but rather a way to make both of their lives better. This is the first real hint we get that this isn't just a sexual thing. This isn't just a political thing. Ava has feelings for Gwen and is insecure because they've never established if it's just gonna be the two of them forever. And she she kind of realizes, oh shit. <laughs> However, Gwen is confused. She She still doesn't realize Ava has feelings for her. Uh, Ava is also very, I'd say, possessive. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And we really start to see that here. And I won't say Ava is a bad person. Um, She does apologize later and they do work it out. However, this is both of their first relationships, really. And they don't quite know how to fight yet. And it's, it's not very satisfying for the reader, because like we said earlier, You want Gwen to have more time to process this. You want you want some like justice for her instead of just I'm sorry's.
0: I have a lot of text here that I read. Oh, go for it. Go for it. You've been crying, Ava began. She sounded shocked. Gwen shrugged and looked away. You were angry and you hurt me. Ava looked contrite. I'm sorry, I, I brought some sol for your bruises. She reached for Gwen's shirt, but Gwen pulled away and Ava offered the small jar instead. I'll skip ahead a little. You didn't see me as your whore, that you didn't want me to feel like I was. A mix of comprehension and slight horror filled Ava's eyes. Oh, is it because I touched you directly rather than being carefully off to the side? But after last night, she cut off, her cheeks flaming bright red. Not exactly. Gwen didn't know how to explain properly. She tried anyway. Last night got a little out of hand, yes, but we were both in it together. I wasn't the one sneaking off with another woman this morning. I was fully there. The anger was back. What in the name of the gods are you talking about, Gwen's tempered flared. This is exactly what I meant. You were angry at me. You took me anyway. I feel used. You took me with no care, no attempt to make me feel like I was okay, like I mattered. I felt like your god be damned whore. They stood for silence for a long moment, each woman in her own anger. Gwen could see Ava was furious with her, but couldn't for the life of her work out what she'd been talking about. She tried, though. Even through the anger, she tried to understand. Even while so damned in rage, she, she cared about the little princess. Eventually, Ava spoke. This morning at the forge, that smith had her hands on you. She muttered so quietly, Gwen had to strain to hear. She blinked. That was what had her upset. Oh, she was showing me how to hold a hammer. I never even considered that. It might look like something else to an onlooker. She had her hands around you, Gwen. She was standing too close to you, too intimate. Any onlooker would, as you put it, would have claimed, seen you claiming her as hers. Gwen scratched her head, confusion cutting a hole through her anger. I still don't think they would have. We were wearing full protective gear. No one would think I was cheating on you. It looked like you two were a bit cozy. Ava's tone was angry, yes, but also hurt. We can't afford to anyone to think either of us is cheating on the other. You have to promise me your word, and you won't be seeing anyone else. Promise me. I swear, Ava. Gwen smiled, pushing her hurt away. She could almost fool herself into believing her princess genuinely cared. I'm not a complete idiot. I'm never going to cheat on you. Thanks. I swear, too, by the way. I'm not asking for anything I won't give of myself. I appreciate that. Gwen hesitated a second before deciding that this was too important not to say. Next time, though, if you're angry, please don't touch me for real. It made me feel awful. Either talk to me first or stick to pretend, okay? Ava had the grace to look ashamed of herself. I promise. I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? Of course. Gwen folded her into a hug, feeling a lot better about things. Oh, and Gwen? Yes tomorrow same time of day quarter on the other side of the throne room Ava gave a slightly nervous smile I want it fully convincing as real as you're willing to go tomorrow I want you in charge as you wish
2: I have some stuff to say but I think Andy needs to go first because I've been watching your facial
0: reactions throughout this you know
2: I've I've seen your
0: face as I read. Yeah, Discuss
1: with me your thoughts. I have trouble sometimes. Trouble me with your troubles, my lady. It frustrates me so bad. Because not only is that bad cake. It is. That's just fucking rude. I'm pretty sure in my notes, uh, I said, uh... I had a bunch of uhs in there. And then I said, you don't get to assault her because you're jealous. Yes, exactly. I was describing that to my husband and I was like, there's this is kind of an assault, right? Like th- this feels yes. yucky. Yes. I I am not a fan of that. Uh, this so I don't hate Ava as a character. Okay? But in that moment I was kind of like, you're a fucking little brat. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm sorry. I have a lot of feelings because again, I know we've said this a thousand times, but I don't feel like Gwen had the space and the time to truly be okay with it instead of just, she literally says she pushes her feelings of hurt aside. That's word for word. Don't do that shit. Okay, sorry.
2: No, no, it's a very good point. And I I also, I hate and also love this scene because I feel like in other romance novels that are more written for heterosexual relationships, fighting sex is such a trope. It's it such is. a thing it where is, they, yes. they fight and they have angry sex and we don't address how the reality of that can be. It's very much a fantasy, but we don't delve into the feelings of shame. We don't delve into the unresolved anger. We don't delve into the actual fight being resolved itself. However, in this passage, we don't think these characters are perfect. And we start viewing one negatively which I'm not advocating for this scene because it did make me upset as well, but I am glad in how it was handled. It wasn't turned into rough and heavy, passionate. It was turned into tears and talking and addressing how an exchange like that made them feel. So, so not to advocate for it, but I do like how an awful situation like that was handled. She needed more time to process, mm-hmm. and and yes. the fact that she's immediately like, okay, same time
0: tomorrow. It's like, girl, did you just fucking listen? Yeah. I feel like that is the only like real problem here. Like the fact that it happened at all, yes, a problem. But oh yeah. It, oh yeah. And that is fantastic. But the fact that it is immediately like, all right, same time tomorrow. Like so, that what is the fuck <laughs> the real issue and. Kathleen DePlume, if you would like to discuss this with us, please respond via Twitter, we Facebook, etc. We do really like your
3: book. <laughs> we do enjoy your <laughs> book. But this uh, specific God. segment is
0: very troubling, and I'd like to hear your words on it. So if you're interested in talking with us, feel free. It, it felt like we needed a lot more time for Gwen to process this, and for Ava to understand what she did. Like... Everything before had been consensual in the sense that there was no anger behind it. It wasn't always talked about or pre-negotiated, but they understood where they were coming from. And then in this instance, that pre-negotiation, that understanding of what they were doing, was taken away in a moment of rage and jealousy. Because Ava believed that Gwen was considering someone else or would be seen as being seen as someone she, else. She is
2: very much nobility in the entitlement Yes. and the yes. ownership uh, that you can tell she feels over gwen.
1: Oh. <laughs> it it is a thing. Um I will say I tried to find a fan fiction cuz that's kind of what I bring to the table, right? I tried to find a fan fiction that had a similar feeling to this, right? Because consensual non-consent is it's a kink. It's a thing. Like not here to yuck anyone's yum. If hate sex turns you on, have all the hate texts you fucking want. Okay? None of my goddamn business. But this fic I found is a Good Omens fic, because I'm trash. Um, oh, I love Good Omens fic. I love it. It is really good. It's, I love it. I was reading it, and there's a point where Fail, one of the characters... Uh, slaps Crowley in the middle of like intimacy and they kind of pause for a second and uh, at that point Aziraphale's presenting as a woman so she kind of looks at Crowley kind of sees where he's at and they have that silent communication where like he's he liked it he was into it Uh, so it's it's not even that necessarily you need to have is always good right to pre-establish kink and pre-establish consent and boundaries But if something like that happens in the moment, it's not always like a big, horrible, like, oh my God. But she kept going. But she kept going. She didn't check in. All she cared about was how she felt in the moment. She didn't do the check-in. So I would say fan fiction tends to handle, you know, in regards to this book, I feel like my experience with fan fiction, CNC or consensual non-consent or things of that nature, tend to be handled better in fan fiction because That's very. It's usually very tagged, and it's it's while it's present, it's not going to creep up on you. I wasn't expecting the scene in this book. It's not something that upsets like it's something that upsets me, but it's not something that would uh, trigger me. I'm not a victim of assault. You know that's not something, but that is something that could really sneak up on somebody, Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: that's kind of dangerous. So that is a really that's honestly my biggest umbrage or biggest like issue is that you can't not tell people that shit's in there. I do really uh resonate with that because
0: like when you look up the content warnings for this book, you only get the warning of mature themes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like as I was trying to prepare the content warning for this episode, all I found is mature themes. I got more from Roxy, I got more from my own reading. But we like, had to make our own. Yeah. We had to make our own because you know, it wasn't really considered the different avenues of people who may be reading this and I think it's a really important thing that needs to be discussed that at this point in the book and I am specifically poking it there is very much non-consent non-consent and reluctance because the previously established rules are no longer applying like Ava is touching Gwen in anger and that is something that has not been discussed Mm -hmm. and Ava um does not realize that she is causing Gwen shame. Gwen feels shame she feels used. she feels like she has been taken advantage of which if you're not expecting that in a novel can be a lot of feelings to suddenly process. I'm not somebody who has that trigger but if I did that could have been a very abrupt thing to suddenly have in an otherwise very fun novel. Yeah especially with a trusted character. Uh Yes The trust they have established thus far, suddenly having that anger pop up and cause such an immediate issue, like if it had been like, I don't know, if there had been some more warning or if it had been specifically stated somewhere that this was included, I feel like it would have been slightly more understandable, but like... Mm. We're making the content warning ourselves here in that that non-consent and reluctance is there. And I, Kathleen, I do not mean any sort of disparaging, but perhaps consider adding it to the warnings on your book. Uh, Just because that scene itself, disregarding the things Lord Fuckwit does, is disturbing. Like, it is, the fact that Ava touches Gwen in anger and that Gwen is not privy to what is going on in Avis Head in that moment is a very, it's heart-wrenching, I would say. Like, I really feel for Gwen in the moment, which is which is intended, but uh, if someone uh, was experienced sexual assault were to read that, that could be taken much worse and could totally pull someone out of a book.
1: Yeah. I just think it's not something... It's not something that should be used as a dramatic plot point or as a plot point to identify a character. Yes, I feel like it was something that was completely misused. But that so, Roxy, deep breath. That was the biggest issue I had with the book.
2: No, I I would agree because I yeah. did have an issue with that too. <laughs> and I will say it is unfortunate, like I mentioned earlier, that you'll see this in other romance novels. You'll you'll see emotions present during sex that don't really belong there without premeditated consent. And I will say it's also frustrating because in the story, this is the first real proof we have that she has feelings too, and they explode in anger. And it's it's so frustrating.
0: Oh, one interrupt. Um. The fact that this is used as the turning point to show that Ava has feelings is troubling to me. We've all known this entire time that Ava has feelings. but This this is the point where Gwen realizes. It certainly sets a precedent that really leads towards a non-healthy relationship. And on the whole, this relationship is pretty healthy. Like, we have you know, them discussing. They've been healthy Um, so far, yeah. They've been healthy so far. And so to have this be the moment where they realize their feelings or for specifically Gwen to realize that Ava may have feelings, even if she's still in denial, it feels very out of character that this is the turning point. And perhaps it was just the fact that the author was struggling to get through Gwen's pigeon brain the french I don't know. likes you <laughs> yeah like I just it's I right wish there. it had been handled differently or I wish Gwen had more time to process yeah. it feels like there's consequences know, is, for it you know yeah, like, yeah there's really no consequences and I feel like there should be consequences for that breach of trust that occurs between these two characters
2: yeah no I agree and don't apologize whatsoever this is still I believe it is still a redeemable good book yeah but yes, yes. we cannot be biased we have to also delve into it for our readers and make sure they're aware, because like Pixie said, we had to kind of create our own content
1: warnings, because there just weren't a lot. If this book is something that you enjoy, I do not want this to come across as an attack on the book. No, no, not at all. This is just a genuine, like, hey, that shit kind of sucked. <laughs> and I know, in especially in heterosexual couples, it does, you know, hate sex, non consensual non-consent tends to be hot, but...
2: But
0: give give us some you know some warnings.
1: I'm spoiled by fanfic, man. I'm yeah. spoiled by fanfic.
0: Fanfic lays it all out for you. If there is consensual non-consent, it is listed. Um, and I think fanfic really has spoil spoil us in that sense, in that we get the warning straight out of the gate. And I feel like novels really have a long way to go in regards to content warnings, and it's also thing we should really be aware of because. I'm not opposed to reading things like that. I'm really not, but I would like a warning, you know? Like, we all have different experiences, and there are certain things that are going to yuck our yum. And just knowing that they are there prior can give you that moment to think, this is coming. This Mm -hmm. is on the horizon. I need to know this is here. And you can still enjoy that story, knowing that that moment that you're not going to enjoy is there. And I think... I don't know. I think that's something that the fan community is really embracing, whereas the novel community is less so. And perhaps you have more to say on that front, but that's my feeling. So I
2: I'm kind of more from the novel community. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Uh, (laughs) I feel like the novel community, the romance novel community, we kind of haven't really gotten with the times. We're kind of still stuck in some old tropes. We're kind of still old fashioned in some regards. And fan fiction, because you don't have to go through publishers, it's all instant. It's all online. Uh, You can instantly send it to people for review. They can add tags of their own. We're kind of behind on that. And while I do love novels, I love how rich they are. I love that you can actually hold them and flip through them. And I do love series and world building. I do feel fan fiction is better about preparing readers for what they're getting into. Almost... To a detriment, you can almost be spoiled by certain things. When you look at fanfiction categories and titles and stuff, you you may be spoiled. Uh, so that that is a drawback. But I do feel the fanfiction community, as someone from the novel smut romance novels community, uh, I will acknowledge fanfiction does do it better when it comes to self-moderating
1: their community. Yeah, I mean... That shit would not fly. I mean, for God's sakes. Uh, Another thing about me, I have a fear of of stomach sickness. Upchuck, that kind of stuff. Can't do it. People have started tagging emetophobia, the fear of sickness, in their fan fictions. Like, it is so nice (laughs) to not be surprised by stuff anymore. Like, that kind of, you know what I mean? Like, bad surprises. I didn't read a lot of, like, romance. But, I mean, I was that kid in school. Like, I had my nose in a book. I loved reading. I love reading. I just... I I agree with your assessment. I think that fan fiction, obviously I'm biased, but I feel like that fan fiction does have that benefit of immediate, you know? Yep, and they will self-moderate. The community will tell you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like personally, knowing a bit of the history of the fan fiction universe, I've studied media. I know about what has happened to media and fan fiction. The fact that it's had to self-moderate to avoid being completely wiped out. And because of that, it's overly careful. And in a way that is good, it does warn readers exactly what you're getting into. Because if you don't warn readers, you risk the chance of being taken off, you being wiped out, being not existing anymore. I was around in the time when fan fiction was being taken offline because Anne Rice didn't like it.
2: You know? I like,
0: remember Anne yep. Rice was one of the novels, uh, one of the authors I read.
2: And yes. I remember hearing
0: of that. Yeah. It was a very big thing. And it is the reason that sites like Archive of Our Own exist because it is an archive that is preserving fan works in the idea that fan works are a form of art. And. This is incredibly important to me. I know I am perhaps slipping into Andy's fear, but I do know the history of, of fan works as in my study of media. Fan works are incredibly important into the way media is understood, processed, and brought before an audience is how your fans reciprocate it, how they continue it, how they believe it, how they write about it. And it's very interesting to me that the fan community has taken content warnings um, more seriously than the actual literary community. And I think it's because a lot of the fan community is made up of people who are trying to avoid the things that yuck their yum. They want to warn people of the things that upset them in media. And perhaps those are things that traditional publishers are not thinking of and maybe they should in the future standard content warnings honestly are becoming a thing in video games and I, I feel they should become a thing in novels like providing those content warnings for people because all of us have our specific things that set us off particularly me it's medical shit medical shit will upset me it'll make me uncomfortable it'll make me stop reading I will have to come back later and if you can tell me ahead of time that that is coming I can, can prepare and still enjoy your media and I, I, I just think that's something that perhaps
1: publishing needs to really embrace more um to bring us back to the novel there was another thing that um <laughs> If it had been tagged in a fanfic, I may not have necessarily engaged with this. And, again, I'm not yucking anyone's yum. There is a point in the novel where there is anal penetration without warning. And I was kind of like, hello. <laughs> anal <laughs> penetration in my lesbian novel? It's more likely than you do. God damn it. <laughs> I, listen, I have no issues with it, but I was just kind of like, oh, and of course someone like, I'm a germ, you know, i have OCD germaphobe. And I'm like, bro, she didn't wash. Ugh.
2: No, <laughs> as as with all the I also
0: felt that in the moment. I was like, mm, maybe stick to the, go
1: forward, move
0: forward, get away, get away.
1: But in a good, in a, in a, in a good example of Ava communicating with Gwen, Ava is super into anal play, and she expresses that to Gwen in a super healthy way, and that's a good thing. And later, they specifically prepare for that, which
0: I am very for. That is, yes, please prepare if you're going to do the anal play. Clean yourself. Wash your ass! (laughs) Wash your ass, because Ava's going to be sticking her tongue up there, and it's just so serious. Um... (laughs) Like, yeah, the sudden, like, this is happening was very much like a, oh, no. And then the, we're going to prepare for this later was like a, oh, yes. <laughs> Two I will, sides I will of the say. I will, I will say, they're
2: so dumb. They're they are this, very dumb, they're, yes. This is their, not just their first relationship, but it's their first femme on femme relationship. Yes.
1: Bless <laughs> their hearts, you know? There's I holes mean, down there. <laughs>
3: eyes
2: a lot of holes you don't know which one you get i will say Uh. i'm grateful that they're not written like they know what they're doing yes i do appreciate that they are not experts however no no they are
1: not they are dumb lesbians in love and we we stand by them yes no those were the two scenes that fucking pulled me out for a second i was like because I, I read a lot of MLM, you know, uh, mask, loving mask. Okay. Uh, and I'm just kind of like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
1: <laughs> sounds-
2: <laughs> you don't uh, just
1: suddenly accidentally
0: do that.
2: But but so story-wise, all right. They, they work through things. The tourney happens. Um, I will say in this book... I learned terms I'd never heard before. Yeah. What's a bodkin?
0: A jig? A
1: Fletcher?
0: As a season nerd, I can tell you these are common. She and did? if we ever read Alex de Campi's The Scottish Boy, you will learn many more terms while also being I just, scandalized. I just, I was so, I was so intrigued because
2: usually in romance novels, it's just like. You shoot bow. Good job, kiss lady. Not like <laughs> her armor was made of boiled leather for better yes. movement. Like what's what? Am I being tricked into learning things? Like D and D tricked me to do math. Like, yeah, that's,
1: I felt there... like I learned something. I I'm a seasoned uh, member of the of the Merlin fandom, the BBC show Merlin, and so I knew some of the terms from fan fiction and from the show. But some of them, I was like, the hills are. That? Are you teaching me something? <laughs> this ain't no goddamn history lesson. <laughs> I have to say,
0: I really do commend Kathleen's, um, or Miss DePlume, uh, Mrs. DePlume? Uh, I, I don't She's know.
2: Married. Yeah. She's married. She's no, married. I'm like, not
0: sure if DePlume is the... It's what we got. Hey, lady. <laughs> uh, the author, the author. Um, I do commend her research um, yeah. into yeah. proper yeah. terms, proper terminology, proper life. Um, of a of a monarchy, um, and the common people. I think it was very well presented. I am uh, an Alex de Campi fan, a stan, if you will. She's my favorite author and writer and comic author, and I adore this woman. And uh, to keep it a secret, I might marry her if she weren't already like doing things when I wasn't married. But um, I have to say, like. This book is one of the few that is really matched, or at least close to match, the amount of research that Alex puts into her work. If we ever read The Scottish Boy, you are going to learn so much about The War of the Roses no, that you are going to just be like, is this history class? It is a gorgeous book. I love that book. It is wonderful. It is such a fantastic romance with, like, intrigue and passion and, like... Will they, won't they? It is beautiful. But at the same time, you are learning so many things. And I really felt that at the same time with uh, Dragon Queens. Which is saying something from something that's coming from a really fantasy perspective. That Kathleen really did the research here. And I have to give her props. I, I agree. It's
2: very believable fantasy. You yes. You know? Which, yes. Is, which, yes. Is, which is very interesting. Also something I really liked. So she, she has to do the tourney to help, you know, win her hand in marriage. They have her train with like the kids first, which I find hilarious and amazing. That she's not some amazing Mary Sue who can like do everything. No, she has no
0: idea what she's doing in like no No shit.
2: She had to practice (laughs) and like it's so funny, like the stuff she has to go through. She is not instantly good. And that was so refreshing. It was genuinely so refreshing to witness just her absolutely fuck up sometimes. (laughs)
0: I was so happy to see her not be good in the one-on-one sword matches. I was like, yeah. this is not what you're trained in. If you are good at this, it will be a moment to note. And it wasn't. She won her first match because the guy was old. And he was like, wait till you see my son. And his son trounced her. But you know, <laughs> the son was nice about it. He like, there nice. are so many yeah.
2: tropes. Like, no one gave yeah. a shit for no. being a woman out there. They were like, good job. You'll
1: do better with practice. I will say, fundamentally in regards to the book, I feel like the ending was a touch rushed in regards a to touch. the, the buildup we had. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're getting there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I just wanted to say that the, the father and the son character, I was so sad that they did not come back in the ending because I immediately loved them
0: yes they were a fantastic duel i love them i wish we had seen more of them the the father knight and the like son like upcoming knight, like they were great they were great characters i feel like we were on that bridge of a story there like there's this another story that we haven't read yet that is about this young knight coming up in his father's shadow as it were. You
2: bring up a good point. There are a lot of amazing supporting characters that you kind of want to learn more about. Her brother is so sweet and amazing. I love her brother. Uh, The supporting cast in this book she she has a whole world to work with if she wants to do a sequel. Yes, because they were so delightful. There was the the girl that was like her page, her oh, squire. I loved her so much. And I love and <laughs> yeah.
0: at the end yeah. you really get that payoff of her like becoming the squire. You
1: know, yeah, yeah, Elfrida, yeah, Elfrida, Elfrida my love, dear, my dear. So she was there are so, so, so
2: many, so many good supporting characters. So so the tourney happens. I think the tourney was handled well. Yes. yes. Because there were some parts of it we didn't even get to see because she wasn't a part of it. Yeah. You know, like, Which of is course so we wouldn't. Nice. Yeah. Like, it was realistic. It was we genuinely saw her viewpoint and whispers of what happened at other events. She wins it by her own merit. Yes. No thing comes down to save her. It comes
1: down to the work she puts in. Sorry to interrupt. She wins we'll by being smart. She wins yes. by using yes. her brain, which is so cool. Which is what she did
2: at the very beginning. You know. Yeah.
0: She found the princess because she used her brain. She got the princess because she used her brain. She won the archery tournament because she used her brain. Gwen is smart. She may be brawn, but she is not dumb. No. Which
2: is such a nice change. Yes. Um. And so, tourney happens. She ends up at least winning one thing, which was the king's requirement. And I, I fucking love the king. I'm yes. Usually, usually it's like no one will marry my daughter, but who I approve. The dad was like, all right, what are you up to? Okay, well, this is how we can make it work. Let me know the plan. All right. She has to win something in the tourney and then no one will go against us. Okay. This is
0: <laughs> he lays it down okay okay here i have that highlighted
2: okay okay Uh,
3: tab
0: tab um 31 uh page 105 turn to your scripture god i i i bring the scripture full of hence um here we go so this is the big oof that prevails it uh comes first after a long silence the earl spoke in a voice that was soft and cold as ice If you're not going to correct your daughter, my liege, perhaps you would like me to take on that husbandly duty in advance of our nuptials. The king's eyes looked troubled. Gwen couldn't tell if the earl's remonstration had angered him, but he surely wasn't best pleased with Ava's decision. My daughter will have had her choice a match for love. Why now? Why her? Why not reconsider? And then, consider, consider... True love makes a mockery of us all, Lord Reginald. The king's voice was almost warm. Would you really take a wife whose heart belonged to another? I would not. And I would not wish it upon you. His voice grew stronger, his decision made. I release you from your word concerning marriage to my daughter. She is no longer available. I thank you for your service, Lord, and wish you luck in securing a match more worthy of your heart. I... The
1: king is just... Yeah. I have a note. I left. An... I took very sparse notes. Uh, yes. But one of my notes I took is, King Dad is cool. On that yeah, passage. Um,
0: my specific note here was, um, <clears throat> first, th- tab 31, page 104. Big oof mid-page. And that was um, King Fuck, uh, Lord Fuckwood. And then, no tab, just highlight. Page 104. Go, King Dad! King Dad! <laughs> King Dad! Go, King Dad!
2: And, um, and it's just so refreshing yeah. to see a parent believe their daughter yes and recognize them for who they are and be like hey i know you i know you're very smart when it comes to people what are you planning yes let me help you you god
1: damn pigeons. gremlin
2: you pigeon <laughs> it's just it's so funny to see uh Because I feel like this trope even extends beyond romance novels. Like, you see it in so much stuff where they, like, the, like we said earlier, the, but daddy, I love him. Okay, you love them? All right, this is how we can make this work. Let's sit down and talk about it.
0: Want more wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Can't get enough of our sexy voices and even sexier brains. Join our Patreon at the flirt level for only $3 to gain access to ad-free episodes, monthly book polls, and the patrons-only portion of our Discord. Looking for something more? Our one-night stands at $5 also get episodes one week early and access to our personal reading notes from each episode. We have so much to show you. All we need is a little commitment. Interested? Check out our socials. W-B-T-Y-M pod. Basically anywhere people congregate. Each one will link our Patreon. Can't wait to see you there. And we're back! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> see, we were
2: talking about the king! Yes! Uh, we
0: were talking about the king and his support. For his daughter!
2: Which was yes. delightful. And it a nice delightful. little little change of pace. Because uh, it's established from the very beginning. He loves his kid. And he's going to stick up for his kid.
0: He wants her to be happy. Like it is. She never doubts that he wants her to be happy. But like even when he chose Lord fuckwit. She was like he wasn't listening to me. But it's not because he meant anything by it. He just thought it was the best decision I've chosen no one else. Yeah.
2: Even the best characters can sometimes make Uninformed, ignorant decision. Yes. No one's perfect. Yes. Yeah. So tourney happens. They end up, you know, getting full approval. And then my favorite chapter. <laughs> uh, do you want me to read the sauce directly from the source? I may hide, but let me set the scene before you read. Yes, yes. So I will say the wedding is done very nicely. Uh very beautifully written. I really enjoyed it. Uh it was so sweet. And you could tell that they both did have feelings for each other. It's just, it's such a cute, well done, happy feeling, you know. Then the consummation happens. (laughs) Okay, so I have a little
0: bit to read. (laughs) Hold on, let me pour some wine. Hold on. So after the wedding. All right, but I've done what the king said I had to. Is it enough? Am I enough? The princess's smile was tender, almost loving. Oh, Gwen. You've always been enough. I knew you were the right person to do this with as soon as I met you. To do this with. Gwen's inside no- insides knotted up as she realized she hadn't even been thinking of their arrangement as a ruse. Uh, as a ruse today. It wasn't as if she'd forgotten that they decided to marry without being in love. It was more that friendship was, a, was the closest thing to love Gwen had ever felt. Which, key point... Key point, in the heart, friendship was the closest thing to love Gwen had ever felt. She managed to reply, but what about your father? Am I enough for him? He has has to choose me as as a worthy wife for you, too. My mother and father adore you. And yes, now that you are officially a champion, we'll be formally betrothed. Betrothal, wedding, etc., so on. And then
2: yeah, yeah, go to the go after the wedding. <clears throat> yeah, it's all sweet and nice, and you should read it. Okay, let's go.
0: She just wished she could persuade her body. That <laughs> this was all only an arrangement. The tingling on her lips and the goose flesh on her arms were really not appropriate for the sealing of a business deal, etc. Eva tore her mouth away and stared at Gwen, fire blazing her eyes. Close off now. Gwen nodded mutely and released the pressure holding their bodies together. She deftly unlaced Ava's bodice and had begun gathering her skirts up when Ava's hands stopped her. She looked up in surprise. I thought we were removing clothes. She didn't add, I want to be removing clothes. Your clothes! Ava's hands were back pulling at Gwen's shift. She stopped, shaking her head. Not just mine. If we're doing this, we're doing it together. It was Ava's turn to look surprised. Gwen had no idea what was shocking to her about a request for parody. But then nothing about this evening made sense. She was just going with it. Ava's surprise turned into a wicked smirk and she nodded. Okay, both sets of clothes then. Removing their clothes was rushed and inelegant, but Gwen had never been more excited in her life. She knew she wasn't going to be the last and was vaguely aware she would feel embarrassed about that. But as long as Ava felt the same excitement, she didn't care. And Avo's the one who has started this. Their clothes strewn around the floor, they pressed their naked bodies together. Ava's small form melded perfectly to her larger one, breast under breast and legs entwined. She stared them towards the bed, resuming their kissing at a slightly less feverish pace. She knew her arousal was showing, she could smell it. She could also feel the start of a drip easing its way down her thigh. She pushed the, pr- pushed the princess down onto the mattress and slid her thighs firmly. Between Ava's legs. She heard the gasp. As a wetness met Ava's thigh, it was hard to concentrate on that when her head was spinning from the arousal. She felt coating her hip. She let out a deep and heartfelt groan, closing her eyes and grinding her hip de- deliberately, firmly against Ava's soaked center. Ava matching. Oh, God. It was drawn out and beautiful. Gwen took a perfect nipple into her mouth and sucked gently rolling her tongue around it. the luxury of being able to do this without fear of interruption was intoxicating and she started rocking her hips slowly rubbing herself against ava's thigh while she drove her hip directly against her clit one hand supported part of her weight on the other on the bed while her other hand cups ava's other breast she was in heaven but knew she had to be careful or this would end before she would she had satisfied would end before she had satisfied her princess. Ava shuffled down the bed a little, shifting off Gwen's hip, but maintaining contact with her thigh. She lost her nipple with a soft pop and gave Ava a questioning look. Her hips never stilling. I want to touch you was all the answer she got. Gwen nodded, understanding. She wanted <laughs> to touch too. Ava's hand slid down to Gwen's wetness, slipping between them. Her fingers slid past her clit, and before stopping just outside her entrance, they both groaned. Gwen felt her eyes try to close in pleasure, but she forced them open to see the desire clouding Ava's perfect features. She saw Ava's head tilt back. Against the mattress, lids heavy with warmth, as Ava's hips began to mirror Gwen's movements, her neck was so beautiful, so exposed, and Gwen was powerless to resist the pull. She pressed her open mouth softly just above her collarbone, sucking gently and bit down. The princess’s moan was almost a scream. her hips bucked frantically, and copious quantities of liquid poured onto Gwen’s thigh. Ava’s finger curled, and as, and as she felt those fingertips begin penetrating, Gwen slide her thigh out and pushed down, taking them in fully. As Eva regained control of her limbs, she controlled her fingers too, pumping in and out rapidly, while rubbing Gwen’s clit firmly with her thumb. Gwen wished she could draw out these, this perfect feeling. But within seconds, she was seeing lights flashing as her muscles spasmed with pleasure, rocketing through her body. It felt like everything good in the world was radi- radiating out from Ava's hand. She could feel her wetness leaving her impulses and filling the princess's palm, which, which would have bothered her a lot more. Had Ava not just finished coating her thigh with the same... Happiness bubbled up within her and she fell to the bed beside Ava, her panting sounded almost like giggles of joy. Her princess smiled indulgently and turned her face or stroking her cheek with her dry hand. So, my beautiful champion, has your fine mood been satisfied?
1: So, to give Roxy a minute to recover, <laughs> I actually find that very telling that Ava assumes sex is about... Reciprocal. Yes. Yes. Thank you.
2: Oddly enough This is uh Not the scene I was talking about
0: Oh Not the one But I don't Wait I know what she let, sure,
2: let me make sure Let me make sure So there is a scene So chapter 12 Yeah It's chapter 12 If you want to just get To the good shit Um The whole book is good But like
0: If you don't need feelings Or anything Go to 12 Um If you just need to get off Go to yeah, 12 just, Yeah Just <laughs> chapter 12 so at the
2: end of chapter 12 uh chapter 12 is full of stuff but if you read like the last paragraph and the ending can you give I me a page personally, number please oh piss i use kindle um i,
1: I can read it <laughs> oh I yeah you want, okay, you want to yeah. read it because i think Andy read is what
2: I'm read it, about. I've i've read a lot of like romance stuff but this this scene, not the raunchiest, but ooh, very well done. Um, oh yes, okay, yes. It's the scene with like the ribbons.
1: Yeah. yeah. The uh, okay. So
0: I would say this really kind of starts the end of page two twenty nine, two twenty. And we, we don't
1: have to
2: read the whole thing. It's just it's just like the last paragraph and the very last line in that chapter is just
0: ooh, beautiful. There is a lot of good stuff in this chapter. There is a lot of good
1: stuff. It's it's the chapter. Undernegotiated king. So what is happening in this scene is Princess Ava has bound Gwen with silk scarves in a very safe way. Hot. Like she can turn, like she can take him off. Like it's all good. Ava is very much topping in this scene. Okay. So she has been pleasuring Gwen orally while Gwen is bound. There was, Okay. She had no mental energy for cataloging her sensations. She was fire and she was air and she was light. There was no time as her body convulsed in pleasure. She thought perhaps she climaxed over and over again, but it could have all been all one. She floated in pure ecstasy as her muscles worked themselves to exhaustion. At last, as the waves of pleasure began bordering on pain, she came back to earth. Ava's touch had gentled considerably. She had not noticed it lessen. Her left leg was coated in wetness. Ava's, she was sure, but she couldn't remember how it got there. The lassitude filling her limbs spread throughout her body and awareness was too difficult to hold. The last thing she heard before blackness overwhelmed her was the princess's odd whisper. Oh my darling, you are magnificent. To be told. So good. You are magnificent.
0: Praise King, We love it. No! It's definitely a praise King. We love it. I'll, I'll tell everybody who subscribes to Patreon that you are magnificent. Promise? As many times as you like, I promise.
1: Anyway, I really liked that scene. I, I just thought she did a really good job. It's a really good sex scene, yeah. It, um, uh, I do want to say
0: some really good lines from there. Um, <clears throat> ah, yes, you swore to love, honor, and obey. Do you think you can obey?
2: I hate it here. I like your enthusiasm, my dear.
0: But wait. Her fingers tapped Gwen sharply on this word. For instruction, can you do that? Good. Ava purred. Because tonight, my sweet, you will serve. Ava was in charge, and she set the pace. That shit's hot.
1: Why do you feel
0: exposed? That shit's hot, dude. If things get too much, tell me, and I will stop. A good discussion of kink. Yes. It's very
2: hot. It's a, it's a it's a good chapter. It's good.
0: I understand she swallowed to get some moisture back in her mouth. I can do that. Good. Because I'm going to tie you up. Tonight, my fearsome knight. you are mine. She began wrapping Gwen's wrists together as she spoke, winding the silk in a figure eight motion before the carving wooden frame. And back through another. The knot was a simple bow, and Gwen noticed it was left deliberately within reach. Evo was in control tonight, but she left Gwen with the power to call things off without saying a word. Gwen lowered her eyes, bashful. Tonight, I am touching you for my pleasure, not the other way around. Do you understand? Yes, my princess. Ayo? And will you obey? as you have sworn to do. She looked like she was enjoying this. Yes, my princess, I will obey. Good. Ava drew her fingers slowly down Gwen's chest, the feathery touch leaving goose flesh in her path, because I intend to enjoy myself immensely. Her fingertips just barely avoided Gwen's nipples, which hardened to points in their wit.
1: like compass (laughs) like a compass the fucking compass nipples return return she can lead you through the desert
0: with her nipples alone
1: (laughs) the only true north is found through (laughs) her (laughs)
2: breasts so anyway that chapter happens um good chapter it's real hot that's the hottest chapter in my opinion. If you want it is this book
0: rack, clearly disgust kink, which yeah. yes. I approve of. It is disgust. It is we are given a safe um like green card or a red card. Um, we are mm-hmm. given a way to escape the situation. I would say this is the best discussed sexual int- intimacy that we have in this chapter. It, yeah. In this book and, entirety. And I have to
2: say. Uh, like we've talked about earlier, Gwen doesn't really see herself as beautiful. Folks don't really see her as the beautiful one. Mm -hmm. But here we see Ava, who is seen as the traditional, you know, golden haired little princess, is the one telling her she's magnificent. And I just thought that was so sweet.
1: Yeah. And really
2: fucking hot. I was mostly a tiny
1: top. Give me a tiny top anytime. A tiny, fiery little top. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to climb me like a goddamn tree. So anyway, after this scene, um, you <laughs> may think everything is all happily ever after.
0: You would so, think one would there's think. like a third left, roughly. Yeah. So yes, this is not the end of the story. We would think after the marriage, after the sex, after they are being. But, so they what? still haven't admitted that they love each other. No,
1: yes. they're still stupid. They're it's still well, not they, they are
0: still pigeons. They are still refusing to acknowledge the fact that they love each other. And you know what it fucking takes? You
2: know what it fucking takes? Well, we gotta get there. We gotta get there. We can't tell them what it takes. We can't.
1: I'm so mad about what. It we can't. It we takes. can't tell them yet. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. Take it away, Andy. Oh no, go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> uh, there's this big fuck you prophecy that's basically like oh my god, this exact set of circumstances is in a prophecy and the person that loves the princess The prophecy, <laughs> prophecy. Uh, The prophecy, oh my I'll god stop like this. Uh, I, can, I can give you the exact prophecy as it is now foretold But basically Gwyn has to go actually be a knight about the dragon Pixie will give you more details
0: As luck would it. We indeed have a prophecy made for this time. A hero has come to save us, or should I say, a heroine. And so it shall come to pass that the princess shall be taken by the dragon, and the hero shall save her, and lo, that hero shall be a knight, and the champion of knights, gifted half the king's lands and his daughter's hand in marriage. <laughs> Gwen could hear the excessive capitals clinging uh, into place with the declamation. After a breath, he continued, And the love between the hero and the princess shall be shining uh, a beacon to the world of all that is good and true. But the dragon still lives, and as the, the echoes of their vows still linger in the grove, the hero must away to save the realm. Another breath. And the hero shall be armored in the love of the princess, and she shall wear that armor as she faces the dragon. And she re- and she shall re- wear that armor as she faces the dragon, and she shall return to the princess with its head. For the hero foretold is the princess's true love. All dangers to the realm shall fall before her wrath, as the hero who is chosen and beloved rides forth to her destiny. So,
2: yeah. yeah. the The prophecy says... Uh, that the armor the princess makes for the knight, for her consort, will protect her because it's based in true love's magic and that Gwyn has to go do something about it. And but the you see,
0: neither of these dumb bitches believe they love each other. <laughs> exactly. They think they love each other, but the other doesn't love them. These... Oblivious
2: pigeons
0: do not understand that the love is reciprocal, reciprocal, reciprocal.
2: And it's it's so funny because this is actually laid really well, just like chapter 12. Hey, oh, Um, (laughs) because so Gwen's brother has been wanting to be an apprentice for something like this, for prophecy, for being a seer. He's the one that discovers that it could be hero or heroine. He's the one who brings it forward. So that is set up. And then you discovered that before the tourney even started, the princess did have a suit of armor commissioned for Gwyn. So there are roots for this happening laid before. And a lot of folks, when you get to this point in the chapter, you're like, "Why is this called Dragon Queens? That they, they didn't even fight the dragon. It was at the beginning, and they got to escape it. Why? What is this title?" Well, buckle up,
1: bitches. <laughs> All of we, this We have, laid. like, the
0: last, like, I don't know, like, yes. 20 pages to sort this all out. Maybe we'll Yeah, it on
1: yeah, yeah. pretty much.
0: Know. I'm bad at time, but, like, this many pages. Which um, is not many.
2: Yeah. Not many. Um, and uh, I, it's really cool. It's really cool that she laid the groundwork for yes. this to happen.
0: And I think it's really important to note that prophecy was subverted here. The idea was that there was a prophecy but that prophecy was known to be misinterpreted. Um, and that prophecy was wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Um, prophecy was up to those who read it. And that reading it could be interpreted differently. Her mm-hmm. brother, Gwen's brother, was the one who read it in the way that most of the seers, the, the trained ones, were reading it. And that was important because the common folk did not understand it in the way that these seers did. And that was that... It wasn't the order of which like had been prophesized. It wasn't the hero defeats the dragon wins the princess wins the land. It was the prince the 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 hero like wins the princess's love, gets the land, then has the head of the dragon. And it was all about the very specific particulars here. It was about the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey nature of prophecy. And I think that's so fun. I just want to say.
2: Yeah. Um, And I will say before we go further, uh, Honorable mention something that we didn't cover, but I I don't think we should spend a ton of time on. We do meet Gwen's mother. Yes. um, And we do learn a bit more about her backstory. Before, Before we go further with this final third of the book, one of our content warnings is homophobia. And you discover that Gwen's mother does not approve of this, but also that Gwen was close to another girl when she was younger. The girl's father found out they didn't even do anything. They just they just were canoodling, you know, Um, and he discovered them. Yeah, they were cuddling. They weren't, you know, and Gwen, for the longest time in her life, thought that she was grounded and the girl didn't want to see her. And, you know, the world sucks turns out the father of the girl wanted to kill her
0: and And that was a major turning point like learning that information because this entire story we felt that gwen's mother didn't approve her we've had various like mentions of her mother and like how the common folk felt about like non straight relationships yeah and learning that her mother didn't disapprove but her mother was trying to protect her
2: yeah Yeah, was
0: very important. I feel Um, it is definitely important to mention. Yeah.
2: And when you reread, because this is this is the second time I've read this book. At the beginning, when she talks about how the nobles are different and they can pursue a different life, you understand why it almost sounds wistful from Gwen. You you get that interesting added element of backstory. So that's just a little honorable mention I wanted us to bring up before we go into the final third and everything that happens and wraps up and makes you understand, oh, this is why it's called Dragon Queens. It was very well handled and it was very much a yes, this is a fantasy world, but it's going to have this element to it as well. And I, I like that she involved it. It was hard to read and it hurt my heart, but I am glad that she added to it and it added another depth to Gwen, I feel. And it explained her character further. So before we before we go further, I wanted to make sure we did we did touch on that that you do meet Gwen's mom. i want
0: to see does Andy do you have anything to add to this? Yeah, if not, yeah. I have stuff
1: to. Oh, add. um, I just appreciated that you know what's a really common experience and trope in LGBTQ relationships in the real world, parental issues. I mean, unfortunately, you know. Yeah. I know I have parental issues surrounding my queer identity, and so like it's kind of Freeze. nice. <sighs> it's kind of nice to have that. Like it's still a very realistic depiction of like mom. It's kind of like mm, I wish there was something different for you, but still very much like you're still my child. So there, mm-hmm. it's it's not the schmaltzy like, you know the the. I'm gonna love you no matter why you're my child. Like, the, the, that kind of element, it's more of a realistic mm-hmm. kind of a we're gonna deal with this together. Like, I don't have to be happy with it, but I'm happy you're happy kind of a situation.
2: It is very well grounded fantasy. Mm-hmm. I, I did very much enjoy. Uh, Pixie, uh, Corinne, you had, you had stuff you wanted to add?
0: I do. I didn't want to jump in immediately. As someone who hasn't even come out to their parents as bi, this felt really grounded to me. Um, Like, I wish that my parents had caught me in a compromising position and I I wish they had had to protect me because then they would know, you know? Then they would Mm -hmm. know that I wasn't just into guys, you know? Like, it's one of those things where, like, they'll probably never know and... Knowing that Gwen's mother knew but protected her and did what she had to do prote- to protect her, even if that made their relationship more difficult, I, it really humanized Gwen's mother. Because in the beginning, you're really like, you feel animosity towards Gwen's mother because you hear all these negative things, and then you meet her mother and you realize. She was protecting her. She was doing what she had to do to make sure that Gwen made it to adulthood and did not single
2: mom too. Yeah, mm-hmm. as a yeah. single
0: mom raising her daughter and son, like in a medieval society. <laughs> in a medieval society, making sure that her daughter, who was clearly interested in women, made it to adulthood to protect herself. Um, she even says at one point, "The amount of things I gave up to protect you, you'll never know." You know, and I. I wish in a way that my parents knew, you know, and they'll probably never know at this point. And this scene felt really poignant to me, knowing that, I don't know, kind of seeing that like a parent protecting their child, making those sacrifices, even if it meant their child would hate them,
3: because Mm -hmm.
0: it meant that their child would live to reach adulthood and find some sort of happiness. I don't know. It just, it really struck me really deeply, I would say
2: yeah i i really enjoyed it she just she just she did parents right Yes, you know yes uh it wasn't the trope that we've seen in the past uh and i i just kudos to you kudos uh kathleen kudos kudos to kathleen (laughs) Diplume. so now that we've gotten that out of the way it's the final act when this is,
1: it is the
2: final now? Countdown. <laughs> <sighs> Hold on, let me drink some more wine for this. Hold on.
1: Honestly, I've kind of got a little bit fuzzy head, and I haven't even finished a whole glass. I'm a lightweight, y'all. I've drinking a whole bottle of wine, and then I'm drinking more. I am not a lightweight. Um, I'm I
0: still have functioning, almost functioning, but bottle. my tongue is a little bit loosey goosey. So, just saying. Oh, I'm not to that point. Um, when I can't feel my nose, that means I'm really drunk. I can still feel it, so I'm good.
2: Anyway, we're at the final bit of the book. Yes. Gwen is now like, oh shit, I love her, but I don't think she loves me. I'm going to get roasted by this dragon. Yes. But I got to go. I don't want her to get in trouble. I don't want anything bad to happen to the person I love. She, she does become very just pure hearted, sweetheart, you know. Yes. I'm I'm gonna go
1: here because I have to because I want her to be okay. Uh, and she does actually something I really appreciated. She has a moment of like character realization where she's like, "I could just take the shit and run,
3: yeah, and take care of my
1: family." Uh, and she actually has that thought process, which is super healthy. Uh, but oh then yeah, oh yeah. She cares enough about Ava as a person, not just as like the object of her affections, to be like, that would blow up in Ava's face. So I'm not doing that shit, but she did think about yeah. it, which is a nice show of um, independence from Gwen. Mm-hmm.
0: That mm-hmm. this is real and that Gwen is really considering her action—that she could just go—and mm-hmm. she chooses not to, which I think is very important. So she she goes she goes back to where it all
2: started. Yes, which is very humbling.
0: <laughs> I do love that about the story—that it is cyclical. We get back to the end where everything started, and we go back to the inn, the first inn that she went to. And then... The journey from the barbed tail out to the dilapidated castle took three days. It felt longer, but also too short. It occurred to Gwen that she could run away. She had some money, and the armor would fetch a fair price. But she'd given her word, and her word was important to her. Besides, if she were ever caught, Ava would bear the brunt of her cowardice she couldn't have that she does love make everyone so stupid or is it just me i she love that on, line i know me too i know me too she rode on accepting her fate she left the pack horses in the thicket before approaching risking her own life was one thing but the horses had no choice which is another thing i love about gwen every time she yeah. puts these animals above her own life which is i love an animal lover i love an animal lover but she's um, practical she's very practical she rode out across the field, sword drawn, head held high, the plumes of her helmet waving in the wind of her passage. She, as she neared the castle, the dragon rose. It was a burnished reddish gold, the color of sunset. Its wings were wide, its tail long, and its head elegant. It circled around her once before hovering impossibly before her, beating its wings slowly her heart hammered in her chest and her mind went completely blank in terror she alighted clumsily from her skittish horse who bolted the instant her hand left its bridle wishing she could bolt with it she raised her sword in a high guard the dragon opened small taking a deep breath in there was an ist- instant just the barest stutter in time where she could have sworn she saw the spark light in the dragon's throat it was immediate replaced by a rapidly expanding lance of fire billowing at the edges and preceded by a solid wall of heat. She staggered back as the flame engulfed her. She knew, all she knew was heat. The light was so bright she could see. Even through closed eyelids, Her the red of her eyes become white. The rest of the world disappeared as she surrendered to her utter destruction. And then it was gone. Gwen didn't know if it had been mere seconds or closer to an hour. It took time for Sight to return. During this time, she realized that the heat had passed without leaving pain behind. She also realized she was still alive. The protector appears. Well met. The voice, it was less a voice and more memory planted in her very bones. She couldn't have told anyone what the dragon sounded like, but the message was clear. It was greeting her as an equal. Well met! Well met! Do you always greet new people by roasting them in dragon fire? She was struggling to understand what was happening. The terror was draining from her body, leaving anger in its wake. It probably wasn't wise to two direct one's anger at a dragon. She did her best to rein it in while she tried to come to terms with what was happening.
3: I do not usually greet humans at all. Think of the flame as a test. what would you pass protector?
0: A test! You flamed me as a test! What would have happened if you failed?
3: You would be dead.
0: The flat finality of the statement chilled her to the bone. She considered this, still trying to regain her composure. Why aren't I dead then?
3: Because you are the chosen one, the protector. You are the one foretold by the ancient prophecy.
0: You know about the prophecies, too. But they said that if your flame didn't kill me, I'd return with your head. I thought it was riding out to save the realm from you. It occurred to Gwen, belatedly, that perhaps she should keep some of her own counsel, but she'd always had a tendency to speak her mind.
3: The prophecy has told within dragonkind, made it clear the prophet, the protector, would ride with me. Perhaps you will return with my head and all the rest. But,
0: but, you were willing to kill me. Gwen was gobsmacked, and now you expect me to just go with you? Wait, dragons have prophecy? Of course we do. Do you think us monsters, the dragon ignored the first question entirely. I suppose I did. I don't anymore, I'm sorry. She felt herself deflate, this was all too much for her, and she had an itching feeling that she was missing something very important.
3: Ah, your prophecy doesn't talk of the protector, rider of dragons, defender of the realm. And the one who brings the runaway princess back and makes her do her duty once more.
0: It talks of the hero, beloved of the princess, before whose wrath all dangers to the realm shall fall. Is that the same thing? It might be. My name would translate in your tongue to something close to wrath. Wow. Gwen was lost for words.
3: What dangers do you see the realm facing? The biggest danger I saw was the princess running for her duty, and you already dealt with that.
0: Um. Well, the uh, ogres are stirring, and the barbarian clans. I think the bar the lands of Lubria are having ogre troubles, but I'm not sure about the barbarians. I didn't listen to the details. I never thought I'd be having th- having this conversation. What was with her today? She didn't seem to have uh, to have able control of her tongue at all.
3: Oh, because they barbarians. Child's play. I can handle that. Can you handle keeping the princess to our duty?
0: I think so. She only ran to escape a bad marriage.
3: I see. Does she now have a better one? Gwen pushed down her dad's.
2: Yes, me. God, it's such a good reveal. It's
1: such a good fucking reveal. It is, it is. I think my issue with it is not that the trope is subverted. It's just that... It feels a little, like, magical girl. Like, dragon's gonna come in and fix everything. A little, yeah. a li- That's just to me. I l- will I
2: will say, this is the least grounded thing in the fantasy. This is where, I will agree, this is where the fantasy trope does come out with its full ussy, you know?
1: <laughs> Not the uh, full ussy.
2: My goal is to make Andy spit out her dreams. Is this Joke the trope ussy? trope ussy? Trope <laughs> But... But I will say it's kinda of fun. It's, yeah. it's cheesy, but it's
0: fun, you know. It's like I like cheese sometimes. Yeah. You know. You know, uh, I'm a woman who doesn't say no to cheese despite being lactose intolerant.
1: <laughs> so, you know. Go and get you every time.
0: And, it's
2: and got I, me. I, I did love the realization that oh my god, I love her and she loves me back because yes. I didn't
0: die.
1: Yeah. Which is
0: funny. The whole realization (laughs) that they love each other is because Gwen didn't die when engulfed in dragon fire. Like, oh
2: my
1: God, oblivious
0: lesbians.
2: But like, that's what it takes though to to (laughs) realize that another girl likes you. Because you're like, is she complimenting me as a friend? Does she she want more? We've had more, but does she actually have feelings for me? Like, this is such a freaking... Thing, it's, yeah,
1: it's a it's a dramatized version of a real life problem.
2: Exactly. Where's where's the dragon to tell you she likes you? Is it your gay uncle who's like, listen, honey?
0: Oh my god, <laughs> like, why why the, the dragon. dragon to tell me, girls liked me. I mean, yeah, I was buy a lot sooner. It's all I'm saying. Because okay, so real life story time. I have a friend. Who every time we went to the movies, we pretend to be dating because it made other people who were bigots mad, and we would just like hold hands and like, you know, like act I, like we were um, dating. And only years later did we both realize that we could have been dating. I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize. And then
2: I had the sudden realization I went to prom with a girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See you guys. Okay, I mine was... was in
2: college. I do want to be clear. I was still this oblivious in mine college. Mine was high school. Mine was high school.
1: I mine was so internalized because I grew up, you know, in the Christian evangelical Christian culture. Same, same. Know, high five. Uh, uh, in the South and everything, and so I was so like no i can't be gay so i like i almost would anything that would even seem to be gay i wouldn't like i was i was the opposite way yeah or i was just like no (laughs) No, i was somehow
0: so in denial for me it was like i was very much an ally in college and it was so much to the point that I didn't even realize I was by until I was, like, well in mid-20s. But, like, it was, like, I was very much anti my own up- upbringing, but, like, I wasn't considering it for myself, the fact that I would spent my entire life being like, wow, she's great. The whole, do I want to be her or do I want to be with her? Why do I... Relate so much to these male characters in media instead of these female characters in media, the ones who are getting the girl instead of the girl for fucking years. I didn't realize until I don't know, probably like 25, 26 and only really started processing it a little bit later in my 20s. And I have to say, it's one of those things where, like, I understand these characters in that they don't want to admit. That they're Wait. into a lady. Um, I get it. I get it. I get it. But also, they're fucking dumbasses. <laughs> we could have all used a dragon in our lives. Yeah, yeah. use yeah. a it's dragon like, to tell. Hey, you're yeah, gay. I if you were into ladies. I would have been like, you know what, dragon thinks.
1: <laughs> you know what, I I tell you what, if I would have had a dragon, that would have saved me a lot of lost sleep over intrusive thoughts about, you know, maybe kiss your best friend. Maybe give her a little you know.
0: It would have saved me so many confusing thoughts of do I want to be with her or do I want to be her?
1: It's that family guy. You can't catch me gay thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so anyway,
2: despite the dragon being cheesy, I love it. I I fucking
0: love it. As (laughs) as bi women, I wish we all had a dragon to come and tell us what was the truth. <laughs> uh but yeah, so you find out that really
2: um the dragon was just trying to protect her. That's why you find out that dragons go after nobles that are alone. Cause they're trying to protect them. Uh and so it explains the whole because like like I said earlier, whenever you read these fantasy books, it's like why do dragons go after princesses? What's what's up there? Uh, And you find out that they are protectors. And you find out that dragons have sentience and their own prophecies. Yes. Um, She has laid the groundwork for something that could be a very rich world um, in this one book. You find out (laughs) that uh, they do both love each other. No shit. The readers have known. We've known. (laughs) We've known this whole time. Oh, my God. But... The dragon uh, discovers more things are afoot. We find out that Lord Fuckwit has been complaining about uh, orcs coming across his lands, uh, raising fields, you know, destroying crops. Um, and the dragon is like, ride me.
3: <laughs> Toss me. <laughs> Hold on. I'm an get, ally. Let me get
0: the <laughs> dragon take of that. <clears throat> Rise me. God damn it. <laughs> but yeah. That's someone's so, kink. I can go real deep, y'all. I, respect I
2: bet you, you
1: can. <laughs> Promise? So anyway, oh the dragon's like... Or should I say... Oh, baby. We'll flirt later.
3: We will.
2: You know, viewers, their D&D characters are married. They are. You know, to each other. They elope. And I'm I'm in the party just dealing with it. You know, yeah. it's fine. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> The dragon's like, well, we can just go fly over to his lands now and tell them don't do that. And you find out that as they fly over, it is all a ruse and he is actually going to attack the kingdom. This guy isn't just a jackass, you know? He's, he's,
0: he's a treasonous dr- jackass. Yeah. Which is a whole nother level, let me tell you. He's a full-on mm. dickwad.
2: He's so what a- they end up doing... Full
0: on douche nozzle, let me tell you. The way
2: they handled this made my life. <laughs> yes. I do love the ending. It is very well put together. So they they go over to those lands and while this is going on, uh Fuckwit, he doesn't deserve a real name. Nope. has actually married someone else. He has married someone that is a friend of Ava's and who in herself has a lot to inherit. Her her father's getting older. I do
0: have a quote for this, if you like. Go for it. After a pause to snuggle in closer, the princess continued, Reginald has sent missives to all Duke Holyoke's vassals, that they were ready their armsmen and march on the capital. Most obeyed without question. Apparently, they they are under the misapprehension that a man may speak for his wife without default. I thought it was well-established law that Jane's control of Eastwall would no more go to Forquit than his control of Lubri would go to her. Of course, and some vassals remembered that and asked for a good reason why they should summon their armsmen at this word. But altogether, too many are men who assume they would speak for their wives and allow this expectation of the same to go and challenge. Ava's mouth twisted in distaste. And how did he answer those who didn't automatically assume he spoke for his wife? Ava snorted. By lying, of course. He claimed her father and I locked her up without trial and without cause. He claimed we did this out of animosity for him. And he used the fact that I broke our non-existent betrothal as evidence that I am both an oath-breaker and irrationally enraged at him. So we discover that, like,
2: uh, like Corinne has said... He has used his new wife's armies, completely usurped her. And she doesn't know what's going on. We we find out that he's marching on the kingdom as we speak. Uh, and he has been actually like in cahoots with the orcs, everything. And feel well, he he so bad for Jane. Jane Well, seems like such a lovely girl. The, the, this is what I love, though. Instead of, like, immediately throwing Jane into a dungeon and assuming she had a part in this, they reach out to her. Yes. We got her husband there. Yep. Uh, and they are able to do this because with the dragon, they're able to fly very quickly. And they're like, hey, girl, what's up? Thought we were friends. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck? What? What do you mean this is happening? What? I, I feel
0: didn't like the order real this. hero here is female friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, also it's women befriending women to subvert the patriarchy. So what they
2: do is they uh hatch a plan with her uh and they devise a way for everyone to live. <laughs>
0: they, yes, no one does. does! I do Even love that. No
1: doubt. Fuckhead, right. unfortunately. I
0: kinda wish Ugh. Fuckwit died, but like also just having to get justice is kind of great. It's
2: like, great. don't they? Don't they trick him into arriving by making it seem like she's captured or something? Yes,
0: yes, they trick him with his own misogyny, which is very great. It, it makes me feel good on the
2: inside, and it's it's fantastic because once again, you see the common thread throughout this book yes. is finding a way to solve your problems. Using your damn brain.
1: Yeah, because
2: what... Just just rub a brain cell together.
1: What just ends one. Up, yeah. That's all
0: we're asking. Just the
1: one. Get a little static going. Uh, what ends up happening is Jane actually pretends to escape and is suddenly super okay with, like, doing his laundry. Watching yeah, his, yeah. Know, Making his Cooking dinner. his food and everything like that. And so she slips the sleeping draught into his fucking dinner. And he's like... I got this woman on a leash. It's fine. Eats it. (laughs) Down for the count. Man sleepy. God. Uh, I feel like
0: the real hero here is men underestimating women. And I kind of love that.
1: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Not in real life, but maybe in this context. Yeah. But,
0: But so, the great
2: battle is, you know... Averted, she does save the kingdom, and they discover that they do both love each other. And when they see each other, it's so sweet, it's such a good scene because when they see each other both alive, they're like, Oh, shit. whoa, shit. I guess we love do each love other. other.
0: <laughs> it's a very yeah, good scene, and it would be like, You so didn't love each other. Hold on, because
2: it's I like. Have She's surprised to see a dragon, but I feel like she's more surprised to see that she is loved, which is... We're not going to delve too far into that, but...
0: What a feeling.
2: Um, what a okay, feeling here,
0: here. To, to analyze. Okay. <clears throat> when did you know, she asked suddenly. It was startled, but seemed to understand what she was asking. That I loved you? Gwen nodded. I didn't know for sure until you left. I was coming around to the idea that maybe love was real. Maybe I could learn to love you, given the time. And then... She trailed off, staring into the distance. And then you missed me when I was gone, Gwen guessed. (laughs) Ava snorted. No, it was just missing you. I'd have put that down to lust. I knew I wanted you from when I first laid eyes on you. I would like to say a note when they first met. Really? Gwen was surprised. You sounded so disappointed when you saw me and realized I was a woman. To be fair, I was planning on marrying my rescuer, whoever they were. Seeing you were a woman made me concerned it might be more difficult to persuade you to go along with it. If I seemed disappointed, it was only that my plans had become more challenging, or so I thought. She grinned wickedly. Imagine my delight when you suggested pretending love. You even suggested asking a friend, which made it clear you didn't have the distaste for two women marrying that a lot of common folk seem to. Actually, I didn't realize your friends were women. When your first response to that was Deidre, I nearly had a heart attack. Gwen's smile was rueful. She had been so naive. Oh, wow. I'm actually glad I didn't know that, Ava laughed though it sounded a little strained. I didn't think I would have proposed to you if I'd known you were only thinking of males when you was suggested friends. One thing, though, when genuinely curious, if you were just after a marriage that was easy to get into, why not accept James's proposal? I mean, yes, the man's a git, but he clearly wanted to marry you, was willing to make up any story to make it stick, and at That point, you didn't even know if I was willing. Why stay with me? Honestly, I was already hoping I'd managed to seduce you while we were faking romance. True, I didn't know if it would work, but as you so rightly pointed out, that young man was not a great choice. I wasn't going to throw away the hope of having you for the certainty of having him. She smiled. I think I mentioned at the time that I was glad you were the one to save me and not him. I meant it. I mean it even more now.
2: So freaking amazing. So good. So good. So the kingdom is saved. They find out they love each other. The dragon tells them all sorts of lore and magic stuff. Oh, the Uh, fucking lore. There is something though that we discover through dragon magic. Um.
0: Dragon magic. Anyone can have babies.
2: Yay! <laughs>
0: yeah. So,
2: when you read the epilogue, um, if we're okay with me moving forward. Yes, yes. Please proceed, It's one of the best
0: epilogues I've read in any book. <laughs> it is a good epilogue. I do enjoy it. It is not cheesy, but it's also, like, indulgent. Yes, very so indulgent. Eat, like, eat. E- straddles the line, I would say. It,
2: it is a happily ever after, indeed. Yes, uh, yes. So if you're not a fan of happily ever after and
1: you like the, the hurt, comfort, you know, angst... You need the comfort at some point. Go to therapy. Love you.
0: Yeah. We prove of <laughs> therapy
1: is what we do.
0: But also, read fanfiction? Yeah. I don't know if I
2: can diagnose reading fanfiction, but please go oh. to therapy. It's worth the um, shot. But also... <laughs> Not getting worse. It is. <laughs> so, so I will say. It's everything you could have hoped. It's delightful. It self-indulgent. It's so indulgent. Bullshit. It's self-indulgent. I love it. It's like a good
0: chocolate ganache cake that you can't have the whole thing because it's too much. Um, it's like eating ice cream. And I love ice cream, but I'm lactose intolerant. Make sure you take
2: your lactate before you eat this It just makes me
0: sick faster. <laughs> But, like, you find
2: out they're able to have kids through magic and, like, through dragon magic. And, like, the dragon is still around with them. And, like, the squire is grown up and she's serving under Gwen. And the little kid grows up and she gets to ride the dragon sometimes. It's just cute. It's good.
1: It's cute shit.
0: It's really cute. Andy, I love it. Tell us your thoughts
1: on the ending. I think it's schmaltzy in all the right ways. It is, yes. Um, I am kind of two inches. Of, it's fine. Okay. Um, the wine it, part of the podcast is really hitting hard at the end, folks. Wham, bam. That's the whole point. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Can Day drink we with write with your wine friends? on our drink with yes.
0: your friends. Can we tax wine?
1: I think so. Anyway, Andy, what what anyway, things? I I really liked it, and I the big thing I noticed was at the uh, like author's note at the end, she actually is like, hey, here's my socials. Tell me if you want more in this universe, and I'm like, hell yeah, cause like I mean it's a pretty fresh book. I like to see that some parts of literature is getting updated, you know. Follow me on Twitter. Twitter? Twitter. So so
0: if we... Oh, go ahead, Pixie. Oh, I just want to say, I really like Kathleen DePlume as an author. And I think she did a really good job considering the content. And, you know, while I think she may have done a better job kind of, like, warning on some of the things that happened, at the same time, these two are fucking pigeons. And they do not understand what consent is. And pre-discussion of kink. Um, however, I feel like fanfiction is better in that regard, which may launch us into our next venture, um, which will be our shorter section, just discussing fan fiction that hits similar notes and perhaps deals with certain things better, such as consent, reluctance, and fake romances. Um, so, second segment here we go this will be a little bit shorter um we have less to discuss i'm sure
2: so folks uh basically what we do in this podcast is we talk about a romance novel that we really uh delve into we go into the themes we tell y'all what to expect with the plot and then at the end uh we recommend fan fictions that are similar in vain uh to the book that we have read and uh, we recommend it to y'all. It's free to read online Um, because we understand not everyone can afford to buy books sometimes, Uh, but fan fiction is often free and accessible. And as my colleagues have mentioned, it does often have more clearly defined content warnings, which are very important. Um, So. If y'all would like to go ahead and recommend your fan fictions that are similar in style. I just like that we've been upgraded to colleagues.
0: Oh, we're colleagues? Fuck, I missed that. We Take guys? it away. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Andy, would you like to go first, or we like me to go first?
1: Sure. I actually talked about mine a little bit earlier. Um. It's called Traveling Coach by Entangled Now on Ao3 because if you're not reading on Ao3, God bless you. Um.
0: If you're not reading on Ao3, what are you doing? Yeah. Get over there, what pad? <laughs>
1: I don't want to shame anyone's fanfiction source. I do! <laughs> get get off of Wattpad! Go to AO3! The
0: tags are magnificent! So you can search everything you need!
1: But if you're looking for a fandom that was mostly active before 2012 most of the fanfics, if they haven't migrated them on over, they will be on fanfiction.net. Yes, I even have stuff on there from my old life. Can't wait to review those. What?
0: <laughs> I, I um, you're gonna have to search me to find those, and you don't know what my name was.
2: I wrote one when I was 17, and it was in the Dresden Files uh, fandom.
1: Yes. Listen. If I, you look up
0: the Sky High or Psych fandoms, I am there. So anyway, tell us what you recommend. What do you recommend, Andy?
1: Break it down. So, uh, kind of like I say, kind of talked ah! about it. Essentially, they're traveling in a coach together. They get a little frisky.
3: Um, of course.
1: A little, fr- little frisky. Um, it's in a, not a similar time period, but there's like the extravagant gown. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and mostly I wanted to bring something to the table that was the, like, kind of consensual non-consent element of, like, you know, slapping someone. Um, and it's it's a short little read. Um, but I just... I. I liked it. I I'm a bitch for Good Omens, though. I'm a bitch for a lot of fandoms, T B H, but I highly recommend it. Go check it out. I'd actually never really read this author before, um, but they the characterized they characterized the characters well, despite you know like gender swapping. One of the ones that was mm-hmm. never really gender swapped. Um and yeah, so it's good shit. Hell yeah. I was Seeing what the word count was. Sorry. Uh, Is it three, large It's 3,500. No. Oh,
0: that's not large that's,
1: that's 20 minutes.
0: That's not even 20 minutes. you really
1: eh. fast. Yeah. I've got it pulled up. Sorry. I will go to the part that I referenced earlier. So, okay. uh feels nails dig at his scalp, make to pretend they might pull him away, but do nothing of the sort as Crowley. Crowley Sorry, excuse me. Cups her breasts, mouths the nipples. Nipples happened again. I was like, yeah, okay, nipples. They're in here again. Uh, <laughs> oh, nipples! They're in here again! Oh, nipples. Um, the coach lurches to a stop, Crowley's face buried deep enough in the angel to suffocate in the boobs. Uh, come Right? They've come to rest, it turns out, for the tumbled list of another coach. A wheel had turned and snapped off of the edge of the road, and the bulk of it now blocks their path. They're in indecorous position is quite obvious to the stranded passengers so you have some of that like non-convoyerism even though like people really can't see in there um but uh crowley jerks backward and he gets a good look at his beautifully disheveled angel her large breast spilling across the brocade of her dress hair tumbled down entirely on one side eyes blown wide face pink and lovely She moves before he can. One delicate hand raised in an instant before it slaps him sharply across the face, knocking his glasses entirely free and waking a fierce heat in his cheeks that has something clenching low and hard in his belly. There is a quiet fury in her expression and an ache in the curve of his jaw. How dare you, sir? Next time, have a care to ensure you are fully seated and to think I assumed you were a gentleman. She makes a fuss of fixing her dress until, from the shoulders up, she looks perfectly composed. It takes a moment for Crowley to make his voice work and when it does... When he does, it's thick in his throat. He's so hard. It's a whole thing. Uh, and basically they are... fill um, kind of like mm-hmm. initiates it. And um, he he gives the, my sincerest apology, like he kind of slips into the scene with her. Um, but she's like watching him to make sure, you know, like... You good? You Gucci? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and is yeah. that the is that the the safe word you gucci you gucci no, gucci. You gucci. no. <laughs> but they um stop showing me your gucci she, she d- I'm
3: sorry I'm just getting flashed over here
2: okay
1: I'm good she she says later, Crowley, I'm so terribly terribly sorry. She says a strangled thing. She clearly been holding. I was rather too concerned about staying in character there, which is no excuse. I know I would never strike you in anger. You must believe me. Like she immediately is like, bro, nah, uh, okay. no. Okay, man, okay no good. man, no man, no man. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, dude, I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. It's good. I'm into that shit. <laughs> All right, you I like uh... no No. <laughs> so she like actually pauses the scene and checks in with him because like there wasn't any talk beforehand. They just kind of were like, all right, let's fucking do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like that brought in a lot of elements, but maybe showed it, showed a way that you could handle them in a better way, you know, like a safer way.
0: And I like that. I like that. I also have something uh, handling, like, a public
1: exposure a little bit more safer. Um, is that an exposure? I'm not doing it! Sorry, Exposure. My... That's all you see on me. I apologize. I can't leave.
0: Here, wait. Exposure. There um, you go. <laughs> God nothing dang. unsafe. It is just my God physical dang. body. I'm but button alien. It is fine. Um... All right, <clears throat> here. Let me read a, read a segment for you. Now, what's it called? Who's the author? All right, all right. We'll get to that. Just okay, okay. Wait, wait. <clears throat> so the author is Jadoozy, and I would like to specify that that is J D O O Z I. And they J-Doozy. they specifically work in the Bucky and Darcy. Fandom, which is not a large one. So, Bucky Barnes and uh, Darcy Lewis.
1: We're an accent drunk now. We
0: are. We're an accent drunk. I I would leave that as soon as I start reading because neither of them have an accent. Alright, so I do want to specify that this is public intimacy for a reason. How long do you think we have? We don't, he admits. Stay close and keep a hand ready to your, to grab your gun, all right? I will get you out of this. Ugh! You're such a drama queen. She rolls their stance so they are no longer facing down the pathway, but her back is against a dark spot on the brick wall. She balls the front of his shirt and pulls him towards her. You better commit to Barnes. And just like that, they're kissing. Like really kissing. His mouth slotted over her lips like he is hungry for her. His tongue eagerly spreading her apart and claiming space in its wake. When a small moan escapes her, he grew greedy, repeating the motion, trying to get another out of her. Well... She told him to commit, didn't she? He pulls back, only to continue his efforts along her jawline and down the length of her throat. How much time do we got? Her voice is heady and heavy. Not much. He says, between the light suctioning kisses, he plants just behind her ear. This wasn't a bad idea either, Pidge, but I hate to tell you, I don't think they are the kind of prudes to... to I don't think they are the kind of prudes going to be tried much by some necking. Keep your firing hand ready. She shifts, so he has to pull back. He immediately makes eye contact. He looks afraid he may have hurt her. She doesn't break the connection as she slowly lifts her leg and hooks her bent knee on his hip. Her face changes. He is questioning her. She doesn't have it in her to say exactly what she is suggesting. She just gathers her skirts and slides it up over her thigh so it covers by the way his blazer falls on her. Her fair smooth skin illuminates and what Little light the alley provides. She swallows hard and nods. He lets out a heavy breath. He looks over his shoulder before taking the time to adjust and shift himself in front of her. He spreads his stance so he's off center, off her right leg, still on the ground. Too late, the way they had to accommodate for weapons. She was going to be exposed and putting on a little show of Barnes follows through with what she has set up. As if he had read her mind, he leans his body to offer more privacy than the situation deserves. He looks to her one more time as if to ask permission. She should feel more ashamed at the way she juts her hips just slightly in the direction of the hand. He has resting on top of her thigh, but she doesn't. He needs more encouragement. His lips are back on her mouth. The fingers of his right hand expertly moving the fabric of her underwear off to the side as far as they will go. Then those same fingers are on her. They're covering her slick warmth. She would have thought he would have gotten right to it given the time crunch. But he lets her get used to him touching her first. The consideration of it all was greater, was a greater tease than it was comfort. She runs her hands up his chest and doesn't stop until they're in his hair. The noise he makes when she slightly tugs on it spurs her on. She presses harder into her kiss. He begins to move his hand with purpose. She sees white. The sensation of pleasure is immediate. Barnes sure knows what he's doing. She spreads herself apart and then the space filled with his fingers. A deep sound floats up from her throat when he begins pumping it. She knows he can already feel she is ready for a second. Thankfully, he obliges and doesn't keep her waiting. She grows out her anticipation. He uses the position to find her clip with his thumb, but the second swipe, her knees wobble and her he presses more of his body weight in her to keep her upright against the wall. He was everything. "'anchoring her to this earth right now. "'Distantly, she is aware of the club exit swinging open, "'with an abrupt thud and heavy footsteps making their way to them. "'She is aware of Barnes beginning to still his movements, "'as if he is going to leave his task entirely. "'She drops a hand for his hair to his bicep. "'She squeezes. "'He withdraws himself but keeps up a playful teasing. "'Caressing, he braces for the interruption.
3: "'You too.
0: A command comes from the men from the hall. Barnes doesn't remove his hand. He does block her a little more. She plants her face in his chest, pretending to have been caught. A little privacy, fellas. Barnes looks down at her, and if she wasn't close to orgasm a minute ago, she sure was now. The cocksure smirk of 1940s Barnes was a total turn-on. The men don't show the same appreciation, but she sure hoped they do look uncomfortable having stumbled upon such a delicate situation. Yet they remain. They have a job to do. We're looking for a blonde woman. Russian, one man chases to say. Can't help you there, pal. Not my type. The men look at each other, almost having a battle of who's going to ask. I'm sorry, sir, but I'm going to need to look at your friend. Barnes looks down at her, gauging what she wants to do. She pulls the front of her blazer tighter together to cover her dress and sheepishly shields her eyes to pop her head out from the side of Barnes. Bonjour. She knows she's going to catch shit about the action, accent, but it seems to do the trick. The men cast their eyes down and mumble out their apologies.
3: Well, you two
0: still need to get out of here. No one behind the club. The most big faced of the two trying, to, trying for a false bravado. It wasn't a match for bonds, but it was a solid effort. We'll be right behind you two. Ah, uh, he returns as she looks up at them. He kisses her forehead and once again begins to move the hand he touches her with. The older of the two newbies clears his throat to prepare to say something. I said
3: scram.
0: Barnes just rumbles. The vibrations go straight to her core. The men don't need a second warning, and they're quickly retreating down the way they came. Back into the safety of the club. Up until the door shutting and the alley going quiet again, Barnes had continued his adept manipulations of her. Each touch, subtle and deliberate, had her wanton. Now they are alone and themselves again, and he slowly to a near stop. Darcy can barely take the egg growing. She is desperate for a release. She again grips him. Bucky, please. She pleads with two short, willowy breaths. She watches the wild street cross his face and join his blown black pupils. He is spurred on. He continues his previous actions only to have them become that much more sure and efficient. He has her building again in with few deliberate strokes. She feels herself clenching at the stretch of his fingers. It is delicious, but somehow just not quite enough. She wants to feel him, she realizes. The idea has her climbing to her peak and writhing against his palm. Bucky, her hold tightens. I got you, it's okay. He sighs into her kiss, swallowing each of her hungry moans. Go ahead, Pidge, I have got you. He ch- coaxes her right over the edge. Her release is blinding. It rolls through her both thoroughly and devastatingly so. Barnes, whispering, praise for a job well done as she comes down. She doesn't know how long she breathed against him with her forehead pressed together. His chest seems to raise and fall with the same effort she has having. Oh, God. This is from Come Now Pigeon. It is almost directly mirrors a scene from Dragon Queens, except this very public intimacy is meant to distract instead of intrigue, and is very much discussed. You can find this on Ao3 under Doozy, which is J D Z, J D O O Z I E. Okay. <clears throat> Which you can find under the title "Come Now, Pigeon" from Jaduzi, which is J D O O Z I, and that is all.
2: Amazing! Amazing! Amazing!
0: Jaduzi writes some really a uh, doozy of a um, smut scene. Let me tell ya.
2: So my selection uh, is a Stranger Things fanfic. Uh, I decided to go with the theme of queer romance um, with Eddie and Steve. I love it. Uh, I actually really like their characters and how they kind of (laughs) co-parent. I think his name is Dustin. Yes, Dustin. Uh, And it's called Turn Your Back on Mother Nature. Uh and it's by Grogu. Uh G R O G U.
0: It's it by he's not, Grogu. I do not, uh, not old enough. He's not old enough.
1: He's not old enough
0: to be writing smut. Yeah. He's a baby. He's only 50. I'm sorry. This is what I picked. I'm not the
2: fan fiction person. I picked the book. Good fine. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> You're
0: fine. You're fine. Just, okay. Just, you know, um, Grogu's only like 50, which is very young for his species. He's a baby. It's Baby What's it Yoda's from? name. Oh!
2: Yeah, Baby Yoda's name is Grogu. I will say uh, I picked it because it has the trope of sharing one bed, mm-hmm. uh, the hurt comfort, um, hiding that you're uh, queer because of fear of the, the time that you're in or the surroundings uh, in your culture. Mm-hmm. And I will say, it's very cute. It's fairly long. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> so if it gets bad, let me know. Uh, but so far, it has been very cute. Uh, very much a hurt comfort uh, situation. I love a hurt um, comfort.
0: Oh, it is my bread and
2: butter. Uh, and I I could read a bit Um
1: I have it pulled up if you want me to set it for you.
2: I can I can do a little.
1: Okay. I can we do
0: even I believe this. In psyche. Just yep. just disassociate. It's fine for yeah. <laughs> just, In my field we don't really recommend <laughs> dissociate. You're breaking up a lot, my dear.
2: Mentally, yes. <laughs> uh I, I am saying that in my field, we don't really recommend dissociation, so... I mean, it's really recommended
0: in the arts, is what I'm going to say, from the art nest.
1: If not good, why brain do it natural?
0: Brain recommend the dis- disassociation for the creation of the art, though.
1: All right,
2: I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Eddie places the bookmark between the pages and leans over Steve giving him a gentle kiss on the forehead. There's nothing wrong with being cute, Stevie. Steve groans and turns his face to hide it in the fabric of Eddie's shirt, flipping him the bird. And yeah, it wasn't supposed to go like this. Steve was supposed to work with Robin at the family video, flirt with the many, many girls who came to browse the expansive selection of VHSs, go on some dates, And hope hopefully find the one. It was supposed to be a notably upside down free year. And hey, for what it's worth, maybe, despite everything, he did find the one after all. It's it's really cute. It's really cute. I highly recommend it. Uh, That is
0: cute. So
2: far I've been really enjoying it. I've been Really liking it. I'm uh,
0: behind on the most recent season, so. so you won't know, Oh, Eddie. be careful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Be careful. Be caught up. Is there anything else we'd like to talk about before we wrap this up? Well, we do have to
0: do our tingler. We have our tingler. Are you ready for oh, the tingler? Oh, God. Our tingler. God. I've got the tingler up and ready if you're so, ready what for are- the tingler. Are we each doing a tingler or are you no, doing no, a no, tingler? No, no. I'm in charge of the tinglers. I'm the tingler master here. Good, good. You tingle for us. I will tingle for you. <clears throat> phrasing. Um,
2: are we doing phrasing at the end of this podcast?
0: Oh, baby. I'm going to tingle for you. Um, no! Drink anyway. the stupid... <clears throat> Now, time for the tingling tinglers. For our first episode, I wanted to do a little something special. Instead of reading an excerpt, I'm going to list four titles. You two get to guess which ones are real tinglers and which ones are fake. One. Absolutely no romantic thoughts of pounding during my fun day with this kind T Rex because I'm aromantic and asexual, and that's a wonderfully valid way of proving love is real. Two, buttception a butt within a butt within a butt. Three, pounded by the butt, turned gay by the socioeconomic implications of Britain leaving the European Union. Four, turned gay by the existential dread that I may actually be a character in a Chuck Tingle book. Which Fuck. One of, which one of those is fake? Uh, I think... Go.
2: I think the first one is fake because it didn't sound as off the rails. Yep.
0: Alright, okay. guessing the first one. Can you remember the title?
1: Uh, it's the um... The Aromantic Dinosaur, right?
0: Yeah. Absolutely
1: no thoughts of pounding during my fun day with this kind
0: team rex because I'm aromantic and asexual and that's a wonderful valid way of proving love is real. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jokes on you! These are all real. Chuck's a national treasure. Do you want to hear the synopsis of any of these?
1: I think we have time for one or two. Um The one about being a character in a Chuck Ningle Chuck Tingle book. Uh, Turned
0: gay by the existential dread that I may actually be a character in a Chuck Tingle book?
1: Yes. I was going to say, I know two or three of these are real. For sure.
0: Let me get into, like, movie trailer voice. Get your tingler. Turned gay by the existential dread that I may actually be a character in a Chuck Tingle book. Brad and his wife Carrie are all set for a beautiful San Diego vacation, free from the oppressive anxiety of the modern work week. Things take a turn for the strange, however, when Brad reads the latest Chuck Tingle book and slowly begins to doubt the universe around him. Were they always staying at the Buck Point Suites? Was the original name of their hotel Sandy Point? Is the man at the front desk unrealistically handsome? And what are the odds of them ending up in room 69? As things begin to unravel, Brad is forced to face his deep existential dread in the In this erotic, philological thriller culminated in a hardcore hot tub encounter with this personified cosmic anxiety as things begin. Nope. This erotic tale is 4,800 words of sizzling human on gay personified emotion action, including anal blowjobs, rough sex, and existential dread love.
3: Genres,
0: erotica, fiction humor 42 pages kindle edition published january 30th 2016 you did it i did something you did something looking for hot content and even hotter vibes check out our patreon you can find it linked on our twitter at w b t y m pod you can also find us on instagram with the same name and we have a facebook page if you're into that kind of thing. Finally, we'd like to thank Acorns for a theme song. This has been Wham Bam Thank You, Ma'am. I hope you've left you thoroughly satisfied. Get flirty and dirty! dirty, Dirty!
3: Woo!